up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, Monday morning, December 17th, week 15. All of us in the books, your fantasy football semifinals, but more importantly, a lot of movement, a lot of playoff action, and we're going to recap it all on CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson, I'm your host, and I am joined, as I always am, on Sunday night, Monday morning for you. We stay up late to recap this. Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Sean Steamboat Wagner McGuff. It's not quite as good. It, it's growing on me if you say it like that. If you just Sean Steamboat Wagner, I feel like that would have a little bit more pop. Um, so we're going to need you to drop your hyphenated last name for the sake of the podcast, if that's all right. You can just call me Steamboat. Okay, Steamboat. Stevie. Um, all right, anyway, let's dive into the games. Tons of he- – we're top-heavy on the games. We're going to go long in the early games. Eagle – we're going to go uh, Steelers-Patriots, Eagles-Rams, Bears-Packers. We're going to steamboat a little time to strut you know, strut like a peacock around this podcast. Uh, and then plenty of other action from around the NFL. But those are the big three. First up, Steelers-Patriots, Ryan. You had an opportunity. You were offered the opportunity by R.J. White, our editor, a benevolent, godlike figure who said – you can either win the Steelers game or you could beat Sean in fantasy. And you were so desperate for this win that you said, I will sacrifice fantasy. Give me the Steelers win. The football gods, RJ answered your call and Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger finally, finally took care of business against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady winning 17 to 10 in the Steel City. Yeah, RJ made my dreams come true. To, to be fair, I was already losing to Sean or close to losing. It was pretty close in his, uh, he had a couple guys left to play, as I'm sure he will inform you later, as well as how my bench played in, in that fantasy football game as well. That aside, uh, I told you fools last week, Steelers are winning out and then they're going to the Super Bowl. And <laughs> you were as joking, much as I support right? John Breach and his pulling of the Bengals, by the way, I'm pulling the steamboat right now. I'm just going all out on my team. <laughs> I have no reason to. I know John wanted the Steelers to lose today, but they stood strong in the face of adversity, unlike Hugh Jackson and that chump Marvin Lewis, and they played like they haven't played in a month. Uh, you know, I didn't think they were going to win this game, if, if we're speaking frankly about it. And I think, let's see, 8-2, and 11-2, and two, something like that is what um, Tom Brady was against the, the Steelers. So there was no reason to think uh, that anything was going to change. Dan Shaughnessy literally wrote the column uh, on um, Saturday <laughs> that it doesn't matter. They're going to absolutely lose. There's no way the Steelers are going to win because the Steelers always lose. And uh, I was reading through the comments in the Boston Globe, and, and a lot of readers don't like Dan Shaughnessy apparently because he always writes these sort of jinx columns, and it always blows up in the fans' face because I'm sure that's what Shaughnessy wants to happen. So it worked out for him. But it, the bottom line for me, two things. Tom Brady looks old. Mm-hmm. He, he looks like he's 41. Uh, we've known for 20 years that he doesn't play well when you pressure him up the middle, but I think that holds for everyone except for maybe Lamar Jackson at this point. Also, 1B, Gronkowski is not going to be in the Patriots next year. Nope. I, all I would say is to the 31 other teams, do not be duped into giving up anything more than a fifth-round pick for Rob Gronkowski. He is garbage. He's not quite garbage, but he can't wow. run. He's he, not garbage. He, you know, he looked like he Gronk looked like um, a forty-year-old man trying to play pickup basketball with college kids. Like I would yeah. say, like he was like he's like he's like. 
Even in the game, someone made the comment, can Gronk jump? Because there was a pass over his head, and he just stared at me. He's like, ugh. Like, he looked like he's laboring. Um, he looked labored. That's right. And we made fun of him last week for, for being on the field, that final, that final play for the uh, Miami Miracle. He had no business being out there, and that wasn't his fault. But he did not look good on Sunday night. Uh, he wasn't targeted very often. Josh Gordon wasn't targeted very often. He Josh Gordon Gronk had, didn't have a catch until the second half. That's right. And uh, our buddy Ben Volan of the Globe actually – wrote this afterwards. Patriots punted five times for the first time in two years, had just two completions of more than 20 yards beside that wide-ass open Chris Hogan, to uh, to borrow a uh, <laughs> Bruce Arians phrase, Hogan touchdown in the first quarter, and they went two for eight on third down. So this is not a Tom, uh, a Tom Brady slash Bill Belichick slash Josh McDaniel offense. They had 14 uh, penalties, and the uh, point, two I was going to make from earlier is the defense actually sort of played okay down the stretch. Part of that was Brady not being great and looking uh, unca- uh, un- what's the word? Not like himself in terms of being inaccurate, but whatever. The, the Steelers got off the field. They got a win, huge win, especially after the Ravens won earlier. And um, I feel like now they may be able to win the division. We'll, we'll see. The, we, we can talk about the schedules later, but it was a huge win, regardless, given the fact, especially they lost to the Raiders last week. Uh, important to note here. So they had that that sixty-three yard touchdown pass from Brady to Chris Hogan early on in the first quarter. It looked like all right, this could be a shootout. Patriots came to play. Uh, the offense is wide open. Brady's throwing it deep. If you take that play out of the, you know, just remove it from the from the game logs the Patriots had 305 yards on 55 offensive plays that's 5.55 yards per play that's terrible um 6.6 you know when you include that and so they didn't rush the ball particularly effective I thought the Steelers were really good on the defensive line um you know Edelman 11 targets seven catches uh two drops yeah he had drops uh James White had drops so did Michelle could have had a fumble and maybe the biggest thing I think breach when you look at this game Coupled with the Miami game. So you, you have the halftime sack by Tom Brady that didn't allow them to get a field goal. You have Gronk on the field that screws up their ability to tackle Kenyon Drake at the end of the Miami game. You have multiple holding calls inside the red zone when they're trying to either take the lead at 14-10 or tie the game at 17-10. You have Brady throwing a first red zone interception in two years. Patriots had 14 penalties, most since 2014. This is a sloppy team right now, Breach. You never see sloppiness under Bill Belichick, and that's why this was so shocking. I mean, that Tom Brady red zone interception, he just threw that up in the air. Like, Brinson, you could have made that throw. I could have made that throw. (laughs) There was no rhyme or reason. He wasn't really – I mean, he threw it to a receiver, but there were two or three Steelers players over there. So it was just like, what are you doing, Brady? And I think you guys already kind of talked – hit the nail on the head here with – all the receivers was that it was Julian Edelman or nothing. It's almost like Tom Brady's afraid to throw. You know, he's practicing with these guys every day. He knows that, hey, maybe Gronk is running out of steam here, steamboat, running out of gas. He's just not functioning. He doesn't look like he looked uh, even earlier this season, definitely not like last year. He just, he looks old. You know, you get to an age, you're beat up all the time. You just can't operate anymore. And, you know, Josh Gordon only got two targets. He dropped the one target that he didn't catch. Uh, so, I mean, the Patriots as a team, they don't just look sloppy. They look old and, you know, old people, they're, they're nice, but they don't do well in football. (laughs) Worth noting that entering this game, Gronk had torn up the Steelers in six career games against them. He had 39 catches, 664 yards and eight touchdowns. Today he had two pass, two catches on five targets for 21 yards. And, Um, and to tack onto that, 
I believe that if you look at it as he scrambles around furiously looking for it, because I saw Aaron Schatz mention it, the Steelers were dead last against, uh, yes, they were 31st in the league in DVOA against tight ends. So this is a perfect matchup, Sean, as you're pointing out, for Gronk to light the Steelers. Yeah, and I I agree with what Ryan and Breach are both saying, is the Patriots look washed, and now you kind of go back, you think about two events from the offseason that almost happened. The first one was Josh McDaniels almost went to, almost went to Indy, but chose to stay, and at the time we were like, oh, it's a smart decision, he's staying with Brady, ride out Brady for the rest of his career, then worry about the next step later. Now with Indy looking as good as they do, that's looking like he passed up one, maybe the best job opening that was there. And then two, you had the Lions who were going to trade for Gronk, but Gronk refused to play for a team that didn't have, didn't have Tom Brady. And what a bullet the Lions dodged there because if they had traded a first round pick or whatever the price was, I think it was a first or second round pick for Gronk, we would be killing them right now for making that move for a tight end with back. Back problem. I'd be killing. I'd be killing Bill Belichick for doing that to Matt Patricia. Like, like that, that, that's just Sabotage. cold. I mean, just yeah, it really is. It, um, uh, so here's the other thing about the Patriots situation now too. So New England falls to nine and five. The, the Texans won on Sunday, Saturday against the Jets. They are ten and four. Um, Kansas City eleven three is probably going to get the number one seed. Although the Chargers could flip them there. Um, Houston could, in theory, catch them. Uh, but. The, the problem for New England is that unless the Texans slip up and the Texans play at Philadelphia and then have Jacksonville at home, Philly look good on Sunday night. We'll get to them in a minute. But Houston should be favored in their final two games, I believe. New England gets the Bills and the Jets at home. They're going to win their last two games. If Houston doesn't slip up, the Patriots are going to be the three seed. And this is where it gets really tricky for the Patriots because they have not had a bye. They have, they have not not had a bye since 2009. That was the year that Ray Rice uh, went in there and, and ripped off that long run to start after Wes Welker had torn his ACL against the Texans in a meaningless Week 17 game that changed how uh, Belichick approaches resting players. Um, and when you look at it, the Patriots in in uh, in the 12 years or in the 17 years that they've been there, they missed the playoffs twice and they have only not secured a bye three other times. They've never made it to the Super Bowl. When they didn't have a buy. And I, I, I mean, like, I, maybe overblowing a little bit. Maybe there's some correlation causation situation there. But when you got a 41 year old quarterback and a busted up tight end, you need a buy. Yeah, there's no correlation. I mean, that's the fact. The more games you play, the more likely you are to lose. And this is not a good football team. Uh, the issue is, and you hit on it, their last two games are against two tomato cans to borrow a Dan Shaughnessy phrase. And I mean, look, the Bills and or the Jets could possibly win, but they're going to be double digit underdogs probably so you know there's a good chance that the, the um patriots could still get a, a a first round bye and it'll have to come to gillette stadium at least to the till the chiefs win so you know it, it could still work out fine in in three weeks we could be saying a completely different story about okay here are the patriots we're used to seeing so on and so forth so i would like the texans to win out just so we could have something different but there's no guarantee it's going to happen i mean the eagles we'll talk about in a second they're no tomato cans. So, and the Texans, a lot of people don't like the Texans because they haven't been that consistent. But I think, you know, the, the Patriots aren't good, but they play in terrible division. So they're lucky uh, in that sense, and it could be something that this loss could end up meaning nothing for them and meaning much more for the Steelers. Are, are we downplaying the Steelers' win? That's what I'm saying. Like, are we downplaying the Steelers' win too much, Breach? Because, I mean, look, this is a huge win. You're, you're eight. Um, if, you, if you don't win this, all of a sudden, you're, you're staring down the barrel of seven, six, and one. You're behind the Ravens 
in the division. Is it seven, six, and one or seven? Yeah, seven, six, and one. Seven, right? six, and one. You're seven. behind the Ravens and you're behind uh, the other two teams too, right? The Colts. The, cause the Colts well, right, right, you're behind the, the wild card. Colts, you're out right, of the right. playoffs entirely if yes. the season had ended. They would have fallen to the eight seed at seven, six, and one if they were, if they, if they had suffered a, a loss here. Then they're going to New Orleans next week. Now you feel like you're not playing with house money, but you can go down there and win against the Saints, right? I mean, like, it's not out of the question. I, I don't think it's out of the question. I, well, I want to say something to Wilson real quick is, you know, do you feel like this makes Le'Veon Bell look like a total yeah. clown? The Steelers can just throw any running back hey, in hey, there and hey. get fat output. I mean, Jalen Samuels don't, had don't, 140 yards. Don't you disrespect. Look, look at this guy. Let, let, let Brinson talk. He wants to talk about his buddy. Go do ahead. Do not disrespect my man, Jay Sam. Jay Sam's Jay, a stud. The only reason, Jay, Jay, by the way, the only reason Jalen Samuels didn't have like a bunch of rushes in college or high, like in college is because he always had other like straight line runner types in, in the backfield with him. But I mean, I, I, I think you're right, Breach. I think it severely damages Le'Veon Bell's contract aspirations because they've now plugged in yeah, no. James Conner and, and Jalen Samuels and it'd been great. I don't know if it affects this. I the think that's are still going to give him a huge contract. I think someone's going to pay him anyway, but I agree. No, Breach's point is the right one and everyone's been making it even before Jalen Samuels and when James Conner was going off. But it just reiterates you can find a running back just about it. You don't have to pay him $15 million a year. You can choose to. And someone probably will pay Levy on that, but I don't know if he's going to make that big of an impact on, on the team. <laughs> Jalen Samuel is a great pass catcher. Brinson obviously knows that from his time. He's a better pass catcher than Rusher in college. James Conner sort of became a pretty good pass catcher. So if they get them both back, that's great. I thought it was funny that Stephen Ridley was considering this a payback game, a revenge game. He had like two carries. Uh, I was just glad he didn't fumble. But, um, yeah, so that's good news. they got to get James Conner healthy. And I feel like they can go one and one and they'll be fine. This assumes, of course, that the Ravens don't beat the uh, Chargers next week. Right. If they go, if the Steelers go one and one, they're probably getting in as a wild card. I think, right? No, they're winning the division. If they go winning one and one, they're probably winning the division. Like I'm saying, like worst case scenario, if they go one and one, they're they're going to still be in the playoffs because they'll be nine six and one. Yes, right. Uh, unless the Ravens and either the Titans or Colts both go ten and six. Well, the Titans and Colts play each other in week seventeen, so one of them could right. get ten and six. So what and you, then the Ravens could get ten and six. Right. So you're rooting for you're rooting if the if the if the Titans and Colts both lose in week sixteen, and the Colts play the Giants at home, so they'll be pretty heavily favored in that spot. And the Titans play the Redskins at home, they will also be heavily favored in that spot. If they were to both lose those games, the Steelers would effectively clinch. They'd have to win. They'd still have to go one and one. Yeah. But the Chargers, I mean, the Ravens have to play at the Chargers, you know, like your boy Philip Rivers to show up for that game and not have that stupid look on his face while they lose. And then they have to play the Browns. And the Browns are actually good. They'll be out of the playoffs at that point probably, I would imagine. But, um, you know, Greg Williams is a great coach, so I'm sure he can get those boys fired up. Uh, all right, we'll get to the Ravens in a minute. Let's talk about the Rams and the Eagles first. My goodness, the Eagles were 13-point underdogs plus 550 on the money line when the when the game started, and they came out with their hair on fire. Nick Foles starting under center. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing else to say other than this looked exactly like the Eagles team down the stretch last year as they're stomping on people with a great like this defense was laying wood Jim Schwartz was locked in like he like just on like coaching metaphorical coaching meth just firing out plays like he was he was eating Sean McVay's lunch all night long in that game dialing up blitzes at the right time putting pressure on Jared Goff all over the place uh Fletcher Cox was playing excellent football uh Malcolm Jenkins played great uh, we saw I mean tons of tackles from the, the secondary they were flying in there um and I think 
you know, when you saw Nick Foles go 24-31, he only had no, he had no touchdowns and a pick, but also on Jeffrey, eight catches for 160 yards. I mean, didn't it remind you of what we saw last year? Yeah, very much so. And that's scary for the rest of the NFC East. Um, and, and, and I don't know if there's a way for them. There's a way for them to get to the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to get there, but the way they played on Sunday night is a good indication that maybe they can because they've been up and down. If you have to go back to, they were four and six. They were down by 16 points to the Giants in a game they had no business winning. They won that game. They won the next week and then they tie, they went to overtime with the Cowboys in a the game they, they could have won, but they didn't. And they bounced back, uh, on Sunday night. And we saw, I talk about the Eagles. It was also a replay of last week, just last week for the Rams. Jared Goff has regressed and it's not all him. They're not getting Todd Gurley the ball. Last week, the Bears shut down Todd Gurley. This week, he had 11 carries, I think, in the first half, and he was knocked. He got hurt. He, he hurt his knee, so he wasn't completely 100%, and I think that knee injury also affected his ability to get out of bounds late in the game. Uh, his mental ability, there was no reason he shouldn't have gotten out of bounds. But also, I wonder the guy if he, can, The guy can get down on the one if he needs to within a blowout, but he can't get out of bounds in 16 seconds when you're down seven. Thanks, Todd. He can murder your fantasy season, but when it comes to actual games on the field, no, he's not helping the Rams at all. And is the rose, the bloom off the rose for Sean McVay? Because I feel like he's made some questionable decisions. What, the old man reference? No, the bloom off the, no, just, I know what the bloom off the rose means. It's just, you're just like, you're burying McVay. I'm not burying him. I'm asking the question because he's had some. What did, what did he do wrong today? Well, he had two guys that didn't go out of bounds at the end but of the game. But it's not his fault. I'm sure if Who's they would the have coach? asked him, he would have said, I mean, we're going to – of course McVay wants him to run out of bounds. I mean, you, McVay's supposed to stand there, and as he's running, he'd say, Todd, fault, who's fault is it, Sean? Sean? Hey, Sean, Sean why, Sean, why do you know – how do you know when to go out of bounds um, in football? Like, how do you, how do you know? <laughs> this is a horrible question. How do you know? How do you know? Yeah. Have you ever played a sport before? Like, yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And who taught you how to play the sport? Was it a coach? Was it a coach? Because that's coaching. This isn't an NFL thing. This is a peewee football thing where you get out of bounds. Dude, that's this situational. Like experience that's, like that's, an NFL coach is responsible have for. Have you watched NFL films? When like, they go up to they're like, hey, listen, guys, we got no timeouts left. Everybody make sure you get out of bounds. That's how team sports work. It's situational I'm not, coaching. I'm not going to blame Sean McVay Gerald, for not Gerald, stepping into Todd Gurley's body and taking two steps onto the sideline. Gerald Everett did it twice, wanted to do it a third time on that final drive, and then Todd Gurley did it with 16 seconds left. That was crazy. Not, not, not Sean McVay's fault. Meanwhile, this is the same guy who crushes Sean McDermott for playing with a team that has literally four decent oh. players. Info wait, wait, wait. If we do want to blame Sean McVay for something uh, a little <sighs> sour – I wasn't happy with the way he used his timeout on the opposite side of the. It's not his fault, John. You can't. Yeah, no, no, that 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 you can blame him. I mean, that cost him a good forty-five seconds. You can't call it to a point where uh, I think when the Eagles ran the next play, they missed it by by one second. And that one second cost them forty seconds, and that was one hundred percent Sean McVay's fault. So you know that's situational awareness. That is the coach has to know exactly what's going on with the clock. That's literally his biggest job in a situation like that, and he absolutely blew that one. And he got so maybe the rose is off the bloom. He got line. yeah, maybe he got his he got he got his he got his pants pulled down by Jim Schwartz in that game. I'm telling you, I mean like I mean the, and Jared Goff. Ah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Thirty five of fifty four, three hundred. Well, look, we were talking yards, about this earlier. Picks. Collectively, I won't steal your thunder like you stole Casas' thunder with that tweet about 
Todd Gurley. But Cooper Cup going down has been a problem because for as much as I love Robert Woods, Sean's best fantasy player ever, uh, and who else? Oh, Brandon Cooks. There's no number three really established behind those guys. Cup was probably the number two, but there's no not a third receiver that can throw to consistently. Gerald Evans is there. Uh, Higby is the other tight end. Josh Reynolds, but none of those guys have stepped up, and I suppose that's part of the issue. But I also feel like getting back to McVay, they're not getting Gurley the ball enough either. So I know the Bears' defense is fantastic, but you can't run him 11 times last week and have uh, Jerry Goff throw four interceptions. You're not going to win that way. It, and he, he had he had the worst interception. I'm trying to think, what was worse, Jared Goff's interception tonight or, or Sunday night, or or Tom Brady's or Russell Wilson's last week? Those are three of the worst throws. <laughs> ever. Was I, I think. I think Goss was the worst. Are we talking, which, which Wilson, pick, Russell Wilson's. Which pick are we talking about for Goff? Are we talking about the one where you like fumbled it as he's being, or like. Yeah, that one. That was the worst. I think situationally, Brady's was the worst just because of the game context. Down yeah. by four, fourth quarter. That was their chance. At that point, the Steelers had just missed a field goal. You're thinking the Patriots are going to go steal a win. I think in terms of like hilarity and like how dumb they were, probably Goff's and Wilson's just because the Goff play was a botch snap and he tried to pick it up. And he should have just ate it and taken the, the the sack. And as he's getting dragged down, I don't even know what he was trying to do. He like shoveled the ball into the defender's face. If if the so the first two like the Brady and Russell Wilson were I think were attempted throwaways that they just short armed because they were getting hit. If Blake Bortles or Derek Carr does that, Twitter is having a field. It's like oh these clowns, look at these fools and. The Jared Goff one reminded me of something Eli Manning would do. Like, that's like an Eli, like, trying to make a play, like, and then throws it. And, like, we would be, there would be nonstop gifts, just like meme city making fun of Eli Manning. And everybody let Jared Goff slide on that one. I don't think we should. Look, you talk about the running problems for Todd Gurley. Is it possible that the Eagles just looked at what the Bears did and said, all right, if we take away this outside zone and we limit their ability to run play action off of that. And when you factor in that, like, when Cooper Cup is out there, because I think you're onto something with that, Ryan. When he's out there, it's that safety valve for for Goff that teams have to worry about, and they close in on him, and it allows Cooks and and and, and uh, Robert Woods to run free on these crossers up top and in, in the middle of the field. And no Cooper Cup, they've struggled. The two games since he went down, they've been very bad, and they they struggled against the Packers when he went down too. This offense looks like it's limping into the end of the season, and. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's, I think this game is a bigger red flag for the, for the Rams than it is a green flag for the Eagles. Am I crazy? Is, is Jared Goff a top 15 quarterback? No. Uh, Uh, with Sean McVay, he is. With Marty Morningwick, he's not. I think it just depends. Jared Goff, by the way, seven interceptions in his last three games, had six in the first 11 games. I mean, I think I've, a theme throughout these last three games has, has been pressure. And I think he is, I would be, I would like to see the PFF stats under pressure because it feels like at the slightest hint, um, even if he's not getting hit, he doesn't step into throws. He makes bad decisions. So I think that we're talking about recipes. I mean, it's the same for every quarterback. You apply pressure. Um, you're probably going to shut them down a bit, but with golf, the problem seems even worse than other good quarterbacks. He doesn't have the arm strength. I mean, he does have, he has plenty of arm strength. Oh, don't get Sean going. On his arm strength. But like when he, the, the ball was coming out funny all night long. Well, he he it's missed like, the like, wide open Gerald Everett for that touchdown. That was a terrible throw. He missed the wide he, open Tiger early. I mean, I like the, the ball, he was throwing the ball and it was like, he would like get five feet away from his hand. It would be like 
like a, just a duck, like flailing around. All season long, he's been whipping tight spirals. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very concerning. Sean, are all the quarterbacks from Cal just washed up at this point? Yeah, I think there's some sort of – I don't know what's going on. I think because Cal football is like halfway decent now, the players who have moved on are now cursed. Your degree is losing value by the day. <laughs> well, let's get to that other Cal quarterback. He's a clown. He's eliminated from the playoffs, and his name is Aaron Rodgers. The Bears, Sean Chicago Bears, steamy Steamboat Magoos, Chicago Bears. Do you have a music you're going to play for us? Oh, you're cheering. Um, okay, I thought you were like about to fire up a tune. I should have gotten some, uh, is there a Bears song that people listen to? I like the, the Cubs. Super Bowl Shuffle. The Cubs song. Should I play the Super Bowl Shuffle for Sean? What, what song would you like to hear while you go on a rant about the Bears, Sean? I don't Sean. want any, I don't want to share the mic with music. I don't want to share the mic with anyone. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna apologize in advance here because I feel like I'm gonna hog the mic for like two minutes. Okay. Um, uh, but I just gotta say, moments like this don't happen very much to me. So if you all could be kind and, not troll me. No <laughs> snide comments. Let me have my little minute. We can skip my big milk take at the end. This is what I'll say about the game. Nothing that happened, I think, was that surprising. I think what we saw throughout the Bears win was... <laughs> Brenton just can't stand to see me fully happy. He, he sees this and he needs to ruin it somehow. That was an awesome little beat there. This is what I'll say. You Add it at the end. Overlay it. I don't care. What we saw today was everything that we've seen for the last month and a half of the season. And that's why going into this game, I was confident the Bears would win because this has been a, a win that's been in the making all season long. Mitch Trubisky played very well. He's had a couple hiccups, but in the, in the most part, he's been improving game to game. Aaron Rodgers did not play well. Now he didn't have a lot of help. Pressure got after him. Khalil Max sacked him with his back and had another sack with his hands. But Aaron Rodgers also missed a couple deep balls that were wide open there for the taking. So Rodgers did not look like Aaron Rodgers have passed, which we've seen all year long. And I think this is was is a theme, is that this wasn't just a win that's been making all season long. It's been years in the making. Because we've been writing articles about Mike McCarthy's horrible offense and Aaron Rodgers um, kind of slowly declining for like two or three seasons now, probably back in 2015. And Rodgers has always been good enough to bail out the Packers and to get them into the playoffs with these incredible runs at the end of the season. And it's kind of been more harmful to Green Bay than beneficial because then they stuck with Mike McCarthy. They stayed the course. Meanwhile, while this was happening, the Bears were slowly improving year to year. Now, the Bear, it didn't show up in the win totals, but if you look at their drafts in the last three or four years – you look at all the talent they accumulated, and this just happened to coincide with the Packers' descent. The Bears' descent happened because they've been accumulated all this talent. They went out and they made the Cleo Mack trade, which the Packers were in the running for. Packers lost that one. Packers tried to steal away Kyle Fuller. Bears went, matched the offer. In this offseason as well, the Packers were going after Vic Fangio. They hired Mike Patton instead. That looks like a big screw-up. And so you have all these things where the Bears – from the front office standpoint, have just been better than the Packers. The the Bears upgraded at head coach. The Packers stayed with Mike McCarthy. And so this win as a Bears fan was also the feeling that Bears fans had today was years in the making. Because to a lot of neutrals, they'll look at this and be like, oh, who cares? The Bears were going to win the division anyways. They're going to make the playoffs anyways. Who cares that they did it in week 15? 
This game, I think, is the biggest Bears win. I told you, Ryan. I told you this was going to be dominating. Uh, I was going to dominate the mic. I'm sorry. It only happens once. Don't worry about it. You're not going to have to hear from me again about it. This was a release of pent-up like frustration and heartbreak that dates back 10 years ago. I can go on and on about the list of things Aaron Rodgers has done to the Bears, ripped out my, ripped out my heart so many times. I don't think I've ever gotten over Week 17, 2014, when he throws that Hail Mary to Randall Cobb. I think today is the day I finally let all that go. It was cathartic. It was probably the happiest sports moment of my life, and I know that's sad, but when you think about the teams I root for, this is what it is. And I just – i it's the win I've wanted for so many years, and it finally happened. I'm going to step off the limb. It's one stall. I was trying to play one small step for mankind. Sorry, Sean. Um, so I'm tearing I, up. This yeah. is such an emotional speech. It was the win that made me get over right. all the losses that never should have happened years ago. I'm not going to go down the list because there's too many to name. Um, Who do you I want to thank for this this honor? I want to thank Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy who made it all possible. Look, I want to apologize because I tweeted multiple times. I got a old t- old takes exposed on it a little bit because I said that Bears fans were a little too confident going up against Aaron Rodgers. And when in this game, of which not one play you have described when talking for seven minutes. Uh, because <laughs> nothing surprising happened. It wasn't that interesting of a game. The Bears dominated the game. Bull crap, bruh. It was 14 all and you were peeing your pants in slack. You were freaking out that Aaron Rodgers was coming back to rip your soul out and destroy everything good that you thought was happening in your life. And then the Bears pulled away and won by 10 points, and Rodgers looked kind of crappy. You were peeing your pants in slack. True or okay. false? This is, this is what I'll admit to. Is that <laughs> I tried to go to bed last night at 10.30 because I wanted to wake up at 5.30 to watch Arsenal play. And I ended up not waking up to watch Arsenal play because at 2.30 in the morning I was still awake. Um, and Sweating. I've been confident about this game all week long. Um, but I will admit at kickoff, I was nervous when Aaron Rodgers came back and overcame an 11 point deficit in the second half. I was a little bit nervous, but the Packers never led in this game. And I, re- and I, I, I think the Bears were largely in control for this game outside for like a three minute stretch. Of course, the Bears are a better, the Bears. Brenton loves making other people feel as terrible as he does. So Absolutely. <laughs> I feel bad for you for a little bit there, Sean. I'm glad the Bears won. Um, look, the Bears Thank took you, care, the, look, the Bears took care of business. And, and as stupid as I thought your whole, we're exercising the demons and scaring off the big green giant and changing the course of history. One small step for this tiny bear. One Amen. giant step for all the big bears or whatever the hell you were talking about. Uh, I actually do think you are correct in the symbolic nature in which you described this victory in the same way that the, that the Steelers win over the Patriots was very symbolic because it shook off a bunch of bad, uh, juju, no pun intended, that had been lingering around that rivalry for some period of time for the, for the, for the bears. I mean, look, when you look at this, 
Now the Bears need to grow up and act like they've been there, Sean. Um, we 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 haven't been there very often, so you know what? We're, I think we're entitled to act this way. I mean, nineteen eighty-five, like almost won a perfect season. Okay, so like, let's oh, talk yeah, about you. You were okay. in the conference championship a couple of years ago. Let's, How old relax. was I when that happened? You're not the Browns or the Bills, okay? Here, right, let's let's take it let's take it down a slight notch. The Bears have been fine. They were they were in the Super Bowl against Peyton Manning a few years ago. So take it down a notch. So anyway, what I'm saying is that the Bears won the division, and now they're going to get to play the sixth seed more than likely, unless the Rams keep slipping up and the Bears win the bye. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but it might. Um, and they're going to have a good matchup in a 3-6 game between either, as we were breaking down, the Redskins, which would be the best option, then the Panthers, uh, then the Eagles and the Vikings, and then the Cowboys could potentially be in there. All those teams are good matchups for the Bears. And you wouldn't be scared about who they played because of what the Bears have. And that's why the Packers should be worried about the long-term future here because Chicago has Khalil Macklock down. They have tons of pieces on defense. They, they have young talent there. I mean, Eddie Jackson's a stud. He banged up his ankle, but he should be back fine for the playoffs. And then offensively, Allen Robinson, Adam Shaheen, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, and Trubisky, who, by the way, became the, uh, he's the, uh, the four games where he's got a passer rating above 120. Passing Sid Luckman, Rudy Bukic, and Eric Kramer for the most such games by a quarterback in a single, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce this guys, single season in franchise history. So, no, I, I was cringing at the fact that that's the list. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, so look, I think the Bears are in good shape. The Bears can make a run. You should be pumped up. Don't sit around and celebrate it too long, okay? Like this is not a, it's week fifteen. Yeah, you didn't. You, didn't, you haven't climbed Mount Everest, okay? Uh, I, and I, Congratu- and I congratulations I on getting to base camp. I, you made I it to base camp, okay? You're right. Yeah, he, but, said, he said his tent up on base camp. He's acting like he's on Everest. We today <laughs> we <laughs> conquered. When, you, when you've never been up to base camp before, and look, I know you're saying 1985, and I know you're saying 2006. You have to realize how old I am. 2010. That, that, but again, like the 2010 season, the entire experience is marred because. The, the Bears didn't just lose to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. It was the Jay Cutler knee gate. And you guys know Jay Cutler's my favorite player. I'm sitting here in his jersey right now. Like that, I can't watch highlights of the Bears beating the seven and nine Seahawks in a playoff game without thinking about what happens next. I can. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul. The designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Moving along. And and by the way, this Jay Cutler jersey, that thing's got to be at least eight years old, right? Uh, I think Brinson said you bought it at TJ Maxx. uh, It was probably a Christmas present when I was like... That's what he like. got traded. By the way, I'll say this after watching the Rams game. The only team that I think the Bears that would scare me is the Saints. Well, In the NFC. It's the that, only team. And I said last it, week the Bears could win the Super Bowl after they beat the Rams. I think maybe they should be considered, if not the front runner in the NFC, the, the second most likely team. Are you not worried that Matt Nagy is going to pee down his leg in the playoffs like he did last year? Because I would be a little worried. Because he almost peed down his leg. You, you were. I, I'm a, I don't need to go find it. You know, you said it. You said something like he's morphing into Andy Reid. In yeah, I said he's Andy Reading. But this is the deal: is <laughs> you like the gadget plays when they when they work. The Keem Hicks touchdown, the play action pass to the offensive tackle. 
then you've got to take the bad. They're not going to work every single time. So this is, you can't be like, oh, Nat, Matt Nagy, offensive genius when he runs these gimmicky plays and they work and then criticize him and they don't work. That's just part of the package. He's a flawed coach, but when you've gone from Mark Tressman to John Fox and Matt Nagy, you'll take those, those warts with all the good he brings. Yeah, that's a terrible list of coaches. All right, moving along to the Cowboys and Colts. John Breach, you gave the Cowboys a big fat F for this game. They went, they got shut out for the first time since 2003. I believe, I believe, uh, Bill Parcells was the coach back then when they were shut out. I don't remember the exact game. I could probably look it up. Um, Romo's rookie season, I believe. Great call, Ryan. You were, uh, you were only like 63 then, right? Um, this is a game, if you listen to quotes from the Cowboys afterwards, you're like, you know, sometimes when you're on a winning streak and you can't be stopped and you go in and get your face punched, it really makes you wake up and realize what you gotta do. It's like, so you guys, you guys didn't really think you had a chance of losing when you went in there. Uh, apparently they didn't. The Colts looked dominant, I thought, John. I mean, this was a beatdown. That's the thing is, Cowboys are on a five-game winning streak. I don't think you know, I'm sure some of us picked the Colts, but nobody thought this was going to be the type of beatdown that it was. We have you know 23 and nothing, and the crazy thing was, like, what do the Cowboys do all week? Like, sit around Indian <laughs> style and like twiddle their thumbs because it looks like they were zero percent prepared for this hey, John, game. These days, yeah. it's called crisscross applesauce. <laughs> you, you can't say Native American style anymore. Just so you know, for when you have kids, is that why, is that why they that is why they call it crisscross applesauce, isn't it? I didn't know it was called anything else before just now. No. Yeah, hundred percent crisscross applesauce. Anyway, sorry. Wait, to they outlaw. It's been it's been banned. Say, sitting, I think it's just a PC thing. They, they what's the thing that got banned? I've never even heard of this. Sitting Indian style. Oh, no, when I was in school, it was Chris applesauce when I was in school. Oh, look at that. I'd never even heard of whatever you guys just <laughs> There you said. go. That's been a thing going on for That's what years. we're going to call Sean before the podcast. <laughs> no, dude, I'm just kidding. That's an inside joke. Um, <laughs> should probably delete that. Uh, no, but we were, um, no, like you, you cross your legs and you see, I mean, that's what the teachers would tell you to do in school. Interesting. All right, moving along. I, uh, yeah, and I have been around elementary school in 10 years, like Wilson, who has four kids that we know about. Too, yes. uh, I was here. I was here. Robbie's like teacher that. say crisscross applesauce. What are they talking about? Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, John. Go ahead, John. It all, it it all makes sense now. But no, here's the thing: is that everybody hates on Garrett all the time, and this was the type of game that you expect if you're a Garrett hater. They came out completely unprepared, uh, and the thing is, there were times where they didn't look that bad. The first drive of the game, they drove straight down Indy's throat, but then they ended up with a blocked field goal. Uh, you know, and then. Jason Garrett thought he was Doug Peterson and went for it on like every fourth down. It's almost like he took all that criticism from earlier in the season was like, I'm going to go for it on fourth down all the time. And then that blew up in his face because he was one for five. And that kind of changed the complexion of the game. And then obviously, you know, the Colts did, they played really well. They didn't even need Andrew Luck because Marlon Mack was just running all over the place. And, you know, the Colts defense, again, impressive. And I think this is more about how horrible the Cowboys look. They've been trash on the road all year, so maybe this wasn't that surprising. And, you know, if they win the division, they get a home playoff game, and this will be overlooked, and we'll forget this game ever happened. Uh, but this was not a game you want with the Cowboys. You show up in this kind of a huge showdown, and you just – you look like trash. You know, that's – that's I don't know what else to say except that you got to pin this on the coach. This is, this is one of those games where – I agree with you 100%, John. If, like – 
they're going to win one game probably to close out because they don't have a tough schedule. They get uh, they get the, the Buccaneers at home and the Giants on the road. Now I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised at all if they lost those two games and Philly or, or Washington stole the division. But they have to lose out because they have the tiebreaker over both. And one of those two teams and they play each other in Week 17, so they both can't do it. One of those two teams has to win out. It's a tough scenario, as we mentioned before: uh, Washington at Tennessee, Philly at Houston. So, but this is exactly why. I will happily bet on whoever is the five seed in the NFC when they go to Dallas. Because if it's Seattle, I mean, like Seattle, Minnesota, Philadelphia, or Carolina, I would take any one of those teams to beat the Cowboys in that round one playoff game. And if the Cowboys somehow advanced and ended up playing any other team, I would expect them to get thrashed. I don't think they're a good football team. I can't believe they went for it five times on fourth down. That's crazy. Jason Garrett's a a terrible coach, and they're not going to avoid an extension for him, unfortunately. That 10-year extension's coming. And the other thing is the Colts were up 23-0. Cowboys got the ball back with under four minutes left, and Garrett sent his starters back out. You know, it's like at least at this point maybe avoid injury. The game's over. There's just so many weird decisions that he made in this game. But maybe that he – I think we were saying in Slack that's going to knock his 10-year extension down to maybe a six-year extension, but it's still coming. We all know it. Who's going to be the wild card in the AFC, Ryan? Colts? Now, who do you want to be? Who's it going to be? The Ravens are going to go one and one, so it'll be nine and nine to seven. Yep. Uh, the Colts going to win out. I mean, they're, they're on fire. Giants, Tennessee. I feel like they. I don't know. John knows has the heartbeat of the Titans better than anyone. He lives there. I don't think any other. The rest of us watch a lot of Titans football uh, unless they're on national television. Uh, who the Titans? They're playing Washington. The next Titans week. are home <laughs> against Washington, and then the Colts at home. I mean, it's Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Indy, and Tennessee. That's not exciting. The, the excuse me, the Dolphins are out of it. Um, the Browns still are slightly alive, but um, they're no. not going to get there. Probably, I, I feel like it's probably going to be the Steelers and the Ravens. The Browns, ah. the Browns scenario is insane. That three things, exactly three things, have to happen. They have to win out. The Colts and the Titans both have to lose in Week 16, and then the Colts and Titans have to tie in Week 17 for the Browns to make the playoffs. Right. Yep. Well, wait a second. Colts and Titans play each other? In Week 17. And they have to tie in Week 17 for the Browns to make the and, playoffs. Okay. And the Ravens have to lose out. Right. I, I think yes. – Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. going to say the Steelers and the in the, in the um, – well, the Chargers are the wild card team. The Chargers and the, and the Colts will be the wild card team because I feel like – I really feel like the Chargers can beat the, the Ravens next week. And I feel like the Browns, the way they're playing, can beat the Ravens in Week 17. They're not afraid to – they usually play pretty well against Baltimore even though that game is actually in MT, M&T Bank Stadium. So – I'll go uh, Colts, right. Chargers. Um, I was going to point out that the Ravens and the Buccaneers played a game of football and that the Ravens became just the first team to run for 190 yards or more in five straight games since the 1976 Pittsburgh Steelers. Sean, you were but a gleam in your puppy's eye. Actually, I was just but a gleam in my puppy's eye. Ryan. A strapping, ten, a strapping ten-year-old lad at William and Mary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Early interest. So uh, let, let me throw this at you. Let yeah, me let you yeah, guess yeah. this. So Michael Vick's been hanging out with. I think he interviewed Lamar Jackson before Sunday's game as part of the Fox show. I think. How many? See, Lamar ja- Lamar Jackson has gone over 15 carries in three of his first five starts. How many times do you think Michael Vick has had more than 15 carries in a game? 15 carries, like purposeful carries. I would guess in his career. Yeah. Ten. Anyone else want to guess? Seven. Four. Is it zero? 
Never. Wow. Never ran the, the ball more than 15 times in his NFL career. And the, the takeaway is, That's and Robert Griffin III has been pounding this in Lamar Jackson's head, you have to quit taking stupid hits. And he does try to get out of bounds. He does try to slide. But he, you still can't not help but get hit when you're running around like a crazy person, uh, running around like a running back. So it works. I know you feel like he's played pretty well. I don't think, Brinson, I don't think he's played that well uh, in terms of the passing game. The running game, he makes things very interesting. And I will say this. The great thing about that offense is it's a, it takes 45 plays to get down the field. eats up a ton of clock, so it never gives the other team a chance to build a 14, 21, 28-point lead. So the games seem to be relatively close. You have Justin Tucker, which is a huge advantage. And if they can just run the ball for you know 39 minutes out of the, out of the 60-minute game, they're going to be close. But I just wonder what happens like when they face this Chargers team. If, Char- if Phillip Rivers and the Chargers get up 14 nothing somehow, some way, what's the plan then in terms of coming back? Uh, well, I think the other problem, too, is that when you look at the Ravens' schedule, uh, they haven't played anybody since Lamar Jackson got under center. They have played since Lamar Jackson. So they came out of the bye, and they started him out of the bye. They have played the Bengals, who they beat, who are terrible. They have played the Raiders, who they beat, who are terrible. They have played the Falcons, who they beat, who are terrible. They have played the Chiefs, who they lost to, but who are terrible on defense. And they have played the Buccaneers. That's like the five... That's five of the six or seven worst defenses in football, particularly against the run. And the Chargers and Browns are not bad against the run and are not bad defenses. And they're not going to be able to run Lamar Jackson like that. I do think he's shown improved touch in terms of his passing. Yeah, I think he has. You just, you just don't. You got to say no. It's an audio podcast. You can't just shake your head. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like he's fine to play now. This season, you don't bring Joe Flacco back, but right. he has to show a lot of improvement in the offseason coming into 2019. Not for sure. He's okay, but he's – like I said, I'm worried about the 14-point, 10-point deficits. What's the plan then? No, no, no. If they get down by 14 points, they will lose by 35 there points. There is no plan. They lose. Yeah, exactly. They just lose. Um, if 14 to 23. I mean, I, I thought I just thought that he made some – in this game – I watched this game really closely because I had uh, – it was interesting. I had the, I had Lamar and Gus Jackson, Gus Edwards playing in fantasy, so I was I was curious how they did. Um, and I mean Lamar, you know he's da- he is dangerous when he's running. The, the one that stood out to me, Ryan, when he ran around the right ran around the right end. I mean, he's, I don't even know if it was designed or not, but he gets down there and he dives to get down, and he still ends up taking a massive shot. And it's the kind of thing where it's like if you take ten of those in a game, you're too small to survive. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That's that's a that's a concern, and it's not a long term deal. So, you know, I I don't know if they're going to bring RG3 back. I think it makes some sense because they run the same offense. We know that Joe Flacco's gone, so the question becomes where does he end up? Uh, what was uh, Rap Sheet's report on Sunday morning? That they want to try and do right by him or, or oh, do the right. Can thing. I say something about this? You can say whatever <laughs> you want. Yeah. The 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 report was that they were going to work with Flacco and try to trade him to his preferred destination. <laughs> what how many destinations do you think this guy is going to have? Like who? I don't understand who wants to trade for Joe Flacco. Ten. Who? Because if you're going to take his probably, contract, though. Jacksonville. Since all right, let me give you the, some people. I tweeted this, and then some people were telling me, "Oh, Jacksonville could use him or someone." I'm like, the I'm Giants, sorry, you'd rather draft someone. You would rather have Josh McCown for cheap than Joe Flacco and what he wants to get paid. Actually, you know Since- what? You know what? So, um, I started writing that story and I don't think I ever finished it because I was, I, I had, I had, no, I had like a list of like six teams that he was going to trade him to. And I was like, I started doing it. And I was like, well, these teams don't work. Like you can't, you can't trade with these teams. The Jaguars are in cap hell. They have to be able to trade Bortles to clear out his cap space. They're going to be 23 million over the cap going into this offseason. They can't trade for Joe Flacco's 26 million dollar cap hit. Uh, the, the Giants, 
They're, they're all in on Eli Manning. What are they going to trade for Joe Flacco? What are, like, what are, the, are the Raiders going to trade No, you get rid of Eli Manning and well, you sign Joe Flacco to a $12 million deal. Yeah, and there's no way they're going to trade him to an AFC team. I don't care if that's preferred Flacco's destination. John Harbaugh's not going to send him to a team he has to deal with. Why not? The, Why the, not just deal with Flacco? Flacco sucks. Dude, Why not hurt a team in your own country? Because then you look stupid if he comes in crushing He's not you going to do that. Joe Flacco is playoffs. terrible. I, I mean, Joe Flacco with the Jags wouldn't be horrible. Uh, I, the Redskins, great. though, I think the Redskins would make sense. The Redskins, Alex Smith, oh my God, the Redskins have the Redskins have a twenty-one million dollar cap hit with Alex Smith next year. I mean, what the hell? Like they're, right. they're going to spend. No one's trading for Flacco, but he's right. going to yes. get signed. He'll sign somewhere, but that's different than trading. Yeah, right, exactly. No he'll, one's he'll, giving he'll up assets and taking that contract. No, right. no one's doing that. But he'll be signed and he'll be the starter, whether it's Jacksonville or New York or Denver. I mean, who knows? If Joe Flacco gets cut by the Ravens, which is the more likely scenario. The, ra- the reason this is getting out there is because the Ravens are like, yeah, we'll totally send him to his preferred destination. Yeah, I bet you would like to trade him. Then you get rid of that stupid, terrible salary. It ain't happening, buddy. You're getting $26 million in cap hit when you cut him, immediately accelerated onto the cap, unless you want to designate him a post-June 1 cut. At any rate, um, I, yeah, Joe Flacco's toast. I, the, the, the Ravens are going to struggle here down the stretch, I think, because that offense is going to uh, stumble into some problems. When Can I comes- just give you Joe Flacco's stats really quick since he entered the league, which he started immediately, 34th in completion percentage, 54th in yards per attempt, 52nd in touchdown percentage, 26th in interception percentage, 44th in passer rating. That's minimum 16 starts. So you don't even have Mahomes and Trubisky and all these guys. How many? How many? How many categories has Joe Flacco led the NFL? Are you on PFR? No, I tweeted this earlier. Where does he rank in Super Bowl wins for active quarterbacks? Like second, I don't know. Third, However, fourth, many that's all. But <laughs> where, 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 where does he rank? Like what fourth? Yeah, oh, he's fourth, somewhere around there. Tied Look, with Drew Brees. My, my, what I would say nice. is, regardless of where he goes, I would bet Joe Flacco starts less than eight games next year. Okay. Well, write it down. We'll if check he, on. If he's willing to be paid by the take the cash the Ravens give him and sign a cheap deal with the Redskins or maybe the Jaguars, then it could work out. Otherwise, I don't see where he's going to – maybe the Broncos. I just don't see He'll where he's going to land. Huh? He'll get benched at some point wherever he signs. Nah. I don't care he's who never been signs. There'll be some Cody Kessler who, and he'll get benched for He has been benched in 11, 10 and a half years. He ain't gonna, he ain't... technically benched this year because he's healthy now and they're sticking with Lamar Jackson. That counts would, as being Would you rather have Bortles or Flacco? I mean, I would rather have Bortles because Bortles can at least run. No, shut up. That's a terrible statement. Yeah. Well, that's what I – Breach asked me – you keep on trying to tell me, Brent, how to feel today. Question. Yes, your feelings, answer, don't say no. That's, your, that's just how I feel. But your feelings are just wrong and stupid, okay? No, that's no, a <laughs> just run the ball. How would Black you – Blackout was a statue back there. At least he can throw. At least he can throw the ball. Can he? Yes. Someone told me yes. on Twitter he's more experienced than Bortles and more accurate. Is he? Is he really that much? He has more won so many more important games than Blake Bortles will even think about winning. Ooh, I think the crazy thing about Flacco is that he parlayed that one postseason into you know a hundred million dollars. He wanted. Has any other player ever pulled off something like that? No, Kirk, Kirk Cousins did it without actually winning anything. But I mean, and this just, is why Harbaugh shouldn't be fired, in my opinion, because the contract is why Baltimore sucks. Harbaugh isn't why Baltimore sucks. Uh, well, another possible landing spot could be Tampa Bay for him. I could see that if Jameis if Jameis leaves. But here's he's the, basically Jameis Winston, ten years older. Here's the problem: if you look, if you if you run through the list of teams in the NFL, 
there's just a minimal number of landing spots for him where, where he could actually be a starter. I mean, man, I would not be surprised if Joe Flacco retired and just walked away. Yes. He's starting less than eight games next year. No, no, no. He would have to retire. Well, he would have to retire before the season. Unsigned. I don't think you'd win that bet. Nobody's betting he, you anyway. He's My bet is that he's starting less than eight games next season. If he retires, he's going to start less than eight games next season. Sean. Who makes more money next year, Le'Veon Bell or Joe Flacco? <laughs> Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> really? By the like way. $15 million? Yeah. Yeah. Flacco ain't getting, he ain't getting 20 million from the Jaguars. Case Keenum got two years, 36. So. Case Keenum was was a a, terrible contract. And he was coming off a good season in which he wasn't benched for Lamar Jackson. Flacco's well rested. (laughs) That's the best soundbite of this podcast yet. All right. The other important game, speaking of ridiculous contracts, Kirby Cousins. Yeah, boy. Kirk Cousins got a big contract this offseason. He got his offensive coordinator fired before the end of the year, so good for you, Kirk. Uh, but he had a really nice game on Sunday as the Minnesota Vikings mollywhopped. That's right. I said mollywhopped. The uh, Miami Dolphins 41-17. to Dalvin Cook, breakout game, 19 carries, 136 yards, two touchdowns, added a catch for 27 yards. And the Vikings did what Mike Zimmer wanted. They ran the ball, they ran the ball, they ran the ball, they, then they ran the ball, then they ran the ball some more, and then they ran the ball some more, and it all set up play action for Kirk Cousins, who threw the ball just 21 times for 215 yards. Pretty good average and two touchdowns. He did have a pick six, but largely he looked really good and the offense looked great. And the Vikings sacked Ryan Tannehill nine times. I should have queued up a Ferris Bueller uh, soundbite for that. Miami had nothing except Kalen Balaj somehow had 12 carries for 123 yards. He jailbroke a 75 yarder. The Vikings look like the most dangerous wild card contender right now. True or false, Sean? Non Seahawks edition. What? So the most dangerous second wild card team. I'm trying to set you up for the team you don't want to play against for the Bears, man. Come on. Yeah, I think so, just because of their defense. And uh look, in a similar way, I was saying that this Bears win was a like big cathartic release. I felt that way for Mike Zimmer today, which when they ran the ball 40 times, this was him being like, thank God I can do what I've wanted to do all season long. We got rid of Filippo. We're not going to... I don't care that we signed Kirk Cousins. He's throwing the ball 21 times or run the ball 40 times a game. And I think they're going to keep doing that so long as they're not trailing in games. And I think they're not going to be trailing in games that much because their defense is still really good. I mean, you talked about the nine sacks. I think that's the reason why a team like the Bears isn't going to want to play the Vikings because you look at how you beat the Bears. It's by making Mitch Trubisky uncomfortable and making him terrible. And the Vikings have the team that can do that. Uh, one quick note on Kirk Cousins. We're talking about the worst interceptions of the week. Kirk Cousins' pick today is in that discussion for worst interception of the week. Um, a horrific throw. Didn't matter in the end. Um, but I think this is what we're going to see from the Vikings from here on out. A lot of running, um, a lot of what Mike Zimmer wants to do, kind of the Seahawks formula, if you will. I tend to agree, John. That would, does this kind of, if you're, you know, John DeFilippo was kind of a head coaching candidate. I think we've all been talking about going to this off season. Does this hurt his value that a freaking defensive coordinator, Mike Zimmer is saying, Hey, this is how this offense should be run. I know our personnel. I don't even, I'm not any control of this offense, but I know how it should run. And then the Vikings come out and do exactly what he wanted. And they just roll through a pretty good Dolphins defense. I mean, it's not horrible. I mean, it, the, the Dolphins had no shot today. The Vikings imposed their will because Mike Zimmer decided that's how the offense should be run. And it ran like clockwork. So, uh, I, I mean, you know, if you're the fired offense coordinator, that does make you look good. 
Yeah, I also think, um, you know, what else hurts his head coaching chances? Getting fired. Uh, <laughs> he's getting fired. I, I, I feel like he's going to wind up back in Philadelphia. Um, and maybe if Philadelphia improves next year, he'll rebuild his candidacy and we might see him again. But I feel like the natural landing spot, because Philadelphia before Sunday night has really struggled and there was talk that he was going to wind up back there anyways. Uh, there's no chance that he's getting a head coaching job. Yeah, it only takes I, one. I would take him over Hugh Jackson in Cincinnati. Right. Yeah, sure. I take you. Would you? I just want to put that out right there right now. Would you take, would take most guys? Would you take? All right. Rank the following Bengals coaching yes, candidates this off season. One, Hugh Jackson. Two, John DeVilippo. Three, John Fox. Four, Mitchell <laughs> Trubisky. Five, Sean Steamboat Wagner. I would put John DeFilippo well above everybody. I would put, I would put Sean above Mitchell Trubisky, who are both ahead of Hugh Jackson, but behind John Fox. All right. That's, that's, that's probably where I would rank him too. Although I would have spite, I would have spite ranked Sean below Hugh Jackson just to like, um, just to see how mad he could get. Okay. We are, uh, we've already been doing this for far too long. I do think the Vikings are being good down the stretch but the offensive line it's still not great but i think this is what they did with case keenum last year is they established the run and then worked the play action it just makes it so much easier for him um so let's move quickly we have six games left to cover um i have we've we've moved past the meh line we're hurtling towards the poop line uh which is what i designated the final three games in this weekend seahawks 49ers russell wilson lost to the 49ers what the hell happened ryan you watched this game didn't you (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I watched it to see if Tyler Lockett could make some plays. Didn't start oh, yeah. Doug Baldwin, my fantasy team. He had 400 points. Uh, I didn't even know they lost because uh, the Steelers game came on, so I flipped over to that. I knew it was an overtime, and then uh, I checked the stats, and I, I would watch it on the second screen. And Nick Mullins is a fantastic number two quarterback. He might be the best backup quarterback after uh, Nick Foles. Uh, it's a slight exagger- exaggeration, but he's a great guy to have on that team. He does what Kyle Shanahan wants him to do. George Kittle is I – I mean, he's – First of all, he's better than Gronk, but he might be top four. I'm trying to think. Are there four? So yeah, Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey Ertz, Ertz, Kittle, Gronk. Yeah. Gronk has a Gronk. Gronk isn't in four. Gronk gets a, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, legacy ranking. He gets fourth of the title. Who else did you, who'd you put ahead of him? Adam Shahan and Trey Barton? No, no I mean, I'd put uh, Kittle ahead of him. I said Kittle's ahead of him. I said he's, Gronk's he's four. He's number three. You can't put him twice, Sean. Who's four? Who's four, who's four ahead of Gronk? Vance, Vance uh, McDonald. <laughs> or Jesse James, either one. Man, the Titans. This just speaks to. Oh, um, what's his name? Harvard guy, Buccaneers. Why am I? Yeah, Cameron Bray. No, you take Gronk over Bray. Gronk had yeah. a good game against the Dolphins. Anyway, let's not get bogged down on that. But yeah, yeah I right. Mean, it's, yeah. it's sort of a weird game for the Seahawks because they've been so red hot and. You this, know, this line was weird. It was only it was Forty ers It was only Seahawks minus three and a half, which made no sense. It seemed like an obvious. Do, John John would know. Does Seattle? They always struggle in San Francisco, though, right? I, they'd won like eleven straight. They hadn't lost to the 49ers oh. since two thousand thirteen. I was I close. Mean, did you, did was, you did you this, pick did you pick the Seahawks or the 49ers, John? My Seahawks streak ended today. Oh, I picked no. every Seahawks game correctly all season, and I whiffed on this, but I thought it would be close because it, it, the 49ers, you know, they, they beat the Broncos last week. They've looked good. Ryan just hit the nail on the head with Nick Mullins. Looks like a freaking Pro Bowler out there. So it is, and the thing is, the Seahawks didn't play that bad. It was. The 49ers would drive like 40 yards. I think they kicked four field goals, and they had a kickoff return for a touchdown, and that was 20 of their points. So it's like uh, – Oh, John, I, let me ask you, is, was CBS hurt? Because I saw that kickoff return, and he just said, you know what? I'm going out of bounds. I'm, this is a 
this is a wrap. I'm not even trying to tackle this guy. That is the clip everyone needs to watch. I don't think it was. I think he just said, bye, man. Like, Janikowski <laughs> just stood on the sideline and, and didn't even put 1% effort into tackling uh, the 49ers kick returner on this touchdown. It was a- actually amazing for how bad of an effort it was. Uh, but, man, this was the Seahawks get in the playoffs. They clinch a berth with a win. So this was just I was dumbfounded. That's <laughs> he, my word of the day. He just, at this he, loss. he stopped short. He's running and he's like, ah, I missed him. I thought he pulled something. <laughs> he's, he's I mean, like, he just nah. said, you know what? I'm going to go he's to the like, blue Nah, pen. nah. That's all. I want you to Google that clip. I, I just, I just, I just watched it. It's absolutely hilarious. He just, like, I, no one on the sidelines even said anything to him. Like, they're like, oh, he, we knew he was going to do that. Like, I mean, no he's Sebastian. He's Seabass. What do you expect from him? Like, he's not going to go all out for that. Come on. He just he runs and eh, that missed him. Oh well, see you, buddy. Um, I back. I do think it's interesting to know the, the 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 Seahawks are fine. They knew they couldn't get to the four seed because Rams won the division. Like they can't get any higher than the five seed. They're in a very good spot to get the five speed a uh, five seed. Excuse me. And they play Arizona at home in week seventeen. That's a game they can win. This is a weird spot because you go from Monday night in a huge wild card game against the Vikings at home on a short week. Then you have to travel to San Francisco to play in a in a you know crappy stadium against a team in a you know dead environment, division rival that's desperately trying to pile up some wins with some frisky players. Dante Pettis is pretty good. Uh, Marquise Goodwin was out there as well. I don't know if he did anything. And um, and then. You gotta go back and play the Chiefs on Sunday night at home next week. So this is, I don't wanna say it's a trap game, but it's, it's like a sandwich sort of situation, and it's a tough spot to be in. I also think the 49ers are one of the more impressive four-win teams out there. Um, just the fact that, look, they entered the year with Super Bowl aspirations, and obviously the grapple injury changed that, but you hear no rumblings of discontent in that locker room. Someone's going to be stupid enough to trade for Nick Mullins in the offseason, and I think this season is just a reflection of how good of an offensive coach Cal Shanahan is the fact that he's making Nick Mullins look like that. And we're talking about, will anyone trade for Flacco? I'd rather trade. I think someone will trade for Mullins because he's younger and they'll think maybe, maybe this isn't just Shanahan. Maybe this is a guy that we can get for cheap and groom. And I think the 49ers might get themselves a nice fifth round, fourth round pick for this guy. Nick Mullins has uh, averages the second most passing yards per game in NFL history. 292.3 292.3 behind only Patrick Mahomes, 10 yards ahead of one Drew Brees. All right, we got to move quicker, otherwise we're going to be here all friggin' night, guys. Uh, Titans and Giants. I, look, I'll be honest. I didn't. I, oh, actually, Ryan, you know what? You watched this whole game, didn't you? No, I watched parts of it. Again, you I just kept talking about it. I'll take one, dude. Yeah, I had uh, Derrick Henry. I oh, played, this I, is this is. Uh, you know what? Instead of talking about this game, because look, the Titans skunk the Giants. The Giants are eliminated. Why don't you and Sean hash out your little fantasy thing here? Let's see. So oh, I made just, I, I made one transaction all fantasy football season. One. It was three days ago. I picked up Derrick Henry after his monster game last week, and I asked you a holes before the game. Should I start Evan Ingram, the tight end for the Giants, or Derrick Henry? And you guys talked me out of starting Evan Ingram. I was playing in the playoffs against Sean. So uh, Derrick Henry had forty something points. Evan Ingram had 19, which is I think his best game of the year, and they shut down Saquon. The Titans did, so that's a hats off to Mike Vrabel for doing that. Eli Manning remains terrible. Uh, he he didn't really help. Um, he wasn't even throwing the ball to Saquon, which is uh, sort of a big part of what they do. The, I didn't watch the get the entire game. I watched probably 10 minutes of it, and it was just a lot of Eli doing what we were accustomed to see him doing, chucking and ducking. And you know what I was thinking about while he was doing that was last week we were high fiving or two weeks ago we were high fiving Patrick Mahomes for all those no, for the one no look pass he had against the Ravens. Eli Manning's been making no look passes for 20 years. Chucking and ducking, he never sees where the ball goes when he throws it. So I think we're being disrespectful to Eli. <laughs> and some truly terrible <laughs> he's played. 
But uh, on the half-serious note, he is coming back next year. There's oh, yeah. no way oh, yeah. that Gettleman's going to be convinced that he's not their guy, and they're going to draft some offensive linemen, and they're going to win four or five games. If we'd had a good schedule early on, we could have made the playoffs. Sean, the floor is yours to mock Ryan for beating him. In the, so to, for the oh, listeners, no, 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 this is what I want to say. For the listeners, let me set the table. We did a 16-team editorial league uh, divided into four divisions, and now the finals are about to be set. I absolutely kicked – the dog crap out of Pete Prisco. Slaughtered him. I'm up 70 points on his sorry tail. He's got Alvin Kamara left. If I lose, this will be fairly humiliating, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Sean appears to be beating Ryan, and it's 200 bucks to the winner. Sean and I are probably playing next week in the finals. Very excited to beat you up, Sean. Uh, you actually appear to have the high score this week, but go ahead. Make fun of Ryan. I just want to say is that I called him out in the morning when he was posting fantasy questions to us when he was playing against me in a league with everyone in Slack, I thought that was, you know, a little bit against the rules. I all year haven't asked any fantasy questions, even when I wasn't playing Ryan, just because I felt like that was a little bit, I don't know, just there's a little hint of collusion asking, asking Brinson who no collusion. has a chance to shape who he plays in the next week. I just felt it was a little bit off. So I think what happened was karma. I think it's justice. I think Ryan who never plays fantasy football Finally, the inexperience showed up. We've been waiting all year. We've been talking about when is, when is Ryan going to screw this up? Four. Ryan finally screwed it up. His bench <laughs> has 100 points right now. Oh, no. His starting lineup has 84. Oh, no. And so, just for the record, can't win out alone in the NFL. Just, we need coaching. Just for the record, the bench is only four players. The starting lineup is six. Yeah, let's be clear. <laughs> hey, listen, I'll tell you again. I'm a great GM. I'm a terrible coach. Um, Sean, I don't think the good, the good news is Ryan. So Ryan benched Derrick Henry, who went off again. For whatever reason, the Titans are just feeding Derrick Henry, and there's a decent chance they'll do it for the next two weeks. Um, but although Philadelphia and Indianapolis, not great running matchups. 170 rushing yards for Derrick Henry, two rushing touchdowns. He had 40.74. Ryan started Evan Ingram instead. Although I'm confused how you were going to, oh, never mind. I see how you're going to do it. Um, if you added 20 points to your score, you'd still be at 104, and you'd need like 50 points from DJ Moore this week. He should have played. He should have played Doug Baldwin over Tyler Lockett. Yeah, thank you, uh, Mr. Hindsight. I'm saying he would have had another 17 points there if he does that. And look, that's not crazy. You're just talking about starting the number one receiver over the number two receiver on the Doug same. Uh, Lockett's been, been, Lock been better. I dropped Baldwin. It's going to cost me a championship. So Wilson needs DJ Moore to have 25 catches for 200 yeah. yards and four touchdowns tomorrow. Is that my understanding be, here on Monday night? It would be awesome. Yeah, hey, and, listen, and then he needs and then he, and then he needs to retroactively start Derrick Henry, and then he can beat Sean. <laughs> that's it. Um, you guys act like it's impossible. By the way, Brenton did end my fantasy baseball season, so I'm not looking forward to the prospect of him potentially beating me twice. And I will right. say this. No, though, I was I'm not confident. That diatribe. I'm not confident, but I'm happy I'm playing Brenton because me and Brenton's teams were not that good in the regular season. Both went seven and five. The fluky playoff format of allowing everyone to make the playoffs <laughs> paid off for me and Brenton. We got hot at the right time and we're just riding it right now. Uh, wild card, bitches! Um, <laughs> that's from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. For those that don't know, moving along, we'll see how, see how, find out how long EK's commute was if he caught that portion of the program. Moving along to the next game, Jaguars and Redskins. I actually watched a lot of this game because it was on. Why? I have a good reason. So, um, on one of my televisions in my office, I use one of those HD antennas that only gets local channels. And so I'll flip back and forth between the local CBS game and the local, uh, Fox game. And the local Fox game, because the Panthers are playing on Monday night, was Redskins Jaguars. And 
commercials happen, things happen. I was flipping back and forth from it, but it was Colts and Cowboys. Colts and Cowboys was Fox. Redskins, Jaguars was the CBS game. I'm a loyal CBS man, John, so I kept flipping to the Redskins and Jaguars. Uh, I did also want to win the Redskins over season win total over under at seven. I'm now pushing it, so that's excellent. And the Redskins could have screwed this up. They, they are terrible. They are just awful. Uh, they they ran a bunch of plays at the end of the half and then ended up punting. D.D. Westbrook took it back to the house. There was no way there were ever going to be too many points involved in this game, and there weren't. Uh, we don't need to speak too long on it, but they, I left them in the man team because they are, uh, you know, they're technically alive in the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, like, I, there's a, look, they went 16-13. They stink. They're terrible. Josh Johnson ran for some yards and he had a touchdown pass, and Cody Kessler was just. Nine or seventeen for fifty-seven yards and an interception. They, the Jaguars, are my, maybe the worst team in football. Uh, Cody Kessler led them in rushing. He had more rushing yards than Leonard Fournette. What does that say about your team? What does that What does that say about your who you are and what you do, Jaguars? You stink. They need Joe Flacco. Did anybody watch Bills Lions? A little bit, not much. Um, you know, <laughs> hometown team. Hey, look, look. Here's the reality of this. You know, we're an hour into this podcast right now. We're, we're not we're not spending our Sundays watching Bill's Lions, right? Like, I mean, you nobody... know what's the most amazing thing? Everybody at CBSSports.com, uh, all the expert pick pickers, eight of us, I believe, eight or nine, every one of them picked the Bills. Against that's the spread. a terrible, straight up. Okay, well, but it's still that's I mean that's shouldn't happen with a team that went nine and seven the last two years with a new brainiac coach who's a rocket scientist. And by the way, at one point in this game, the Bills ran out of running backs. That's not a, that's not a joke. That's not good coaching. That's not Sean McDermott being a great coach. If Sean McDermott had the Rams, he'd be winning Super Bowls. Josh Allen, 13 26, 204 yards, one touchdown. Uh, oh, Mr. Foster went over 100 yards with a touchdown again. Uh, Robert Foster. He's a nice pickup for your, uh, for your, for your fantasy, uh, fantasy Super Bowl if you're involved in that. Maybe I'll pick who? Robert Foster. Undrafted free agent at Alabama. Yeah, maybe I'll pick him up and start him against you, Sean. Are you ahead of me on the waiver? I think you're ahead of me. Who knows? Who cares? Um, like Bills won fourteen to thirteen. What do you want? What do you want from us, people? We mentioned in the freaking game. Get out of here. Uh, Bengals Raiders. John, the floor is yours to describe how it feels to watch Hugh Jackson win a game for the Bengals. Let me just say, I'm not going to go on as long as a speech as Sean gave about <laughs> the Bears clinching their first playoff berth in eight years, but it was a similar feeling to see Hugh Jackson on the Bengals sideline. And coming out with a win. I was hoping they would carry him off the field. <laughs> no one deserved to have that done more than Hugh Jackson. He's been around the block. That was his old team. He used to coach the Raiders. This was a revenge game. for He wasn't even thinking about the Browns and playing them next week because he had this revenge game this week. And now let me just tell you, I'll end this now, that we now know why Andy Dalton is the starter there because Jeff Driscoll, you know, once there's film on someone, you see how they actually are. The Raiders' defense is horrible. Driscoll could not do anything against them. Bengals gave the ball to Joe Mixon a bunch. Probably not anything that Hugh Jackson came up with uh, because they won in spite of him. So thank you. I'm glad that Hugh Jackson got his first win, and uh, that is all, guys. Wow. That's my Bengals rant. What an incredible speech. I would also like to rant on a coach uh, for the second week in a row. It's time to fire Steve Wilkes. This team stinks. <laughs> He's getting yeah. fired. I, I think I think it is, and it, I know that Jason Lockett reported there's a chance that my boy Steve Keim could leave the leave the Cardinals actually go work with the Raiders. That people see them as an interesting fit. He could be the GM for John Gruden. I don't know. I don't know. Steve Keim in Vegas. Or... Jeez. 
<laughs> What's that supposed to mean, Sean? They're not going to Vegas. Uh, I don't know. You're doing fine in Oakland. Seems seems that seems irresponsible to say. By the way, do you know the uh, first thing Steve Book said at his uh, post game press conference today when they got absolutely the doors blown off of them by the Falcons? Okay. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say, and I'm not making this up. First of all, I'd like to say I'm taking full responsibility for what happened. <laughs> really? See, Sean, that's what coaches do. They take responsibilities for their failures, and he should probably start packing his his office up because he ain't coming back. <laughs> the Cardinals actually went and took a seven nothing lead in this game on a on a David Johnson touchdown, and thank God they did. Uh, Mike Glennon ended up playing meaningful snaps. Went 10 of 14 for 111 yards and a touchdown. Josh Rosen was awful. 13 of 22 for 132 yards, two picks. One was a pick six that happened after, the, after they took a lead. And um, they got run all over by Tevin Coleman. This team has given up. They packed it in. A lot of changes could be coming in Arizona. At the very, I mean, I don't want to fire Steve Wilkes, but he's he's a bad coach. Is, is Josh Rosen hands down the worst first-round quarterback that came out of last year's draft? I mean, is that – yeah, stat, statistically, yeah. He, it's he, not his fault, but it, yes, by stats. I mean, he's in a better situation than Josh Allen. I mean, do you think that Allen, Josh Rosen would be doing any better in Buffalo? He, or, uh, if, if Josh Rosen was was with, if he was with the Jets or if he was with the Bills, if he was any other rookie spot, do you think Josh Rosen would be any better? He would be, I think he'd be he, better in Buffalo. No, he'd be better with the Jets. Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. No, but. Josh Allen is better in Buffalo because his skill set works with nobody to throw to and a terrible offensive line. He just scrambles. He just scrambles. Like he, he Rosen did. would get murdered in you Buffalo. See, yeah, you, are, Rosen, you guys are underselling Sean McDermott's mastery oh of God. all things football. Did you see? Have, have you seen the stats on on Allen? It's incredible. He has. It's like he has like he has like I think he has like he has more rushing yards than Lashawn McCoy this year. Even, even Lamar Jackson thinks he runs too much. No, but like he has forty designed rushing yards. Like they're they're like they have they have basically white like white sturdy Michael Vick back there, and they're just not running him on purpose. Um, there was a really good bit on uh, High Noon with Bomani Jones and Pablo Torre, where like if he were, if his name was Jaheem Allen, the people would be putting spies on him. He'd be running left and right. They design runs. They're not running him on purpose. It's insane. And Josh Rose would be getting killed in Buffalo. Ryan, you okay? No, that's fine. How how long do we think Josh Rosen lasts in Arizona? Is he going to leave with Steve Wilkes? Are they going to cut him after two years? I think Josh Rosen's good. I think all five of the guy. I think all five of the quarterbacks. Yeah, I do too. They got to draft some offensive linemen or figure figure out the offensive line because that offensive line is a doo doo show. Bar Sean's favorite phrase. All right, uh, Sean, would you like to get us out of here with the big milk take of the week? I'll I'll make it really quick. (laughs) Um, I I think you you touched on it earlier. I think the Packers could be in trouble long term. (laughs) I think you look at no, no, you look at Aaron Rodgers' cap hit twenty six point five. 32.6, 33.5. 32.6, oh 33.5. If he is actually declining, which he very well might be, I'm not saying he's bad, <laughs> he's no longer. Look, you guys laughed at me three weeks ago when I said Tom Brady was aging. Tom and Brady's 41, today, man. Today, of course today, he's aging. Ryan, Ryan led his Steelers Patriots precious takeaways by talking about Tom Brady, not even the Steelers. So I think, look, I was right about that. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is bad. But I do think Aaron Rodgers is no longer the superhero he once was. And I think they might find it hard to build a team around that because they have an expensive quarterback. Whereas in the (laughs) same way, the Vikings have an expensive quarterback, whereas the Bears have a very cheap quarterback. Sorry, quickly before we move on. uh, All on record. Over under win totals for 2019 for the Bears and the Packers. Sean? You're asking me. We, you want to set the over under, and then I can... uh, we'll set the Bears at the Bears will be about probably eight and a half, or no, the Bears might be nine, nine or nine and a half. They won the division, nine and a half okay. over over under. 
over because they're not losing any. They're not losing anybody. Um, they might. They're, no, they're not really losing any contributors. And Trubisky, I think, will get better. Over nine and a half. That works out well a lot of times for people. Uh, over under Packers seven and a half. Oh. It'll be higher than that. Eight and a half. Yeah. Under. They go eight and eight. Of course he said that. Big I, milk I, take I'm of the re- week. I'm going to reverse. Packers going eight and eight. That's, did you just say that in like a gangster accent? What did you do there? That was, if Big that's milk. how it came out, I can promise okay, you. Okay, but what's the record if they hire Hugh Jackson? <laughs> over under Vikings uh, eight and a half. Over. Uh, yeah, I like yeah, I like I like eight and eight. Over under Lions. Under. <laughs> Five and a half. I don't like talking about this because the more we talk about it, the more I'm starting to realize that the Bears are building a small dynasty, and Sean's going to be able to gloat on this podcast for the next four years. Packers are going to stop. I'm going to have to retire in 2020 just so I don't have to listen to Sean talk about the Bears anymore. Well, on the bright side, at that point, Hugh Jackson should have had three or four wins to the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get out of here. Did we miss any? We didn't miss any games, right? We got them all. Uh, for Sean Wagner, for John Breach, for Ryan Wilson, I'm Will Brinson. This is the Pick Six Podcast. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys tomorrow.